little informal, aren't we? I was just uh, resting. Not wearing a coat or tie. Oh, sorry. Well, approving an attorney from out of state is a pretty informal matter. I just have a few questions. Okay, fire away, Judge. Where'd you go to law school? Brooklyn Academy of Law. Is that an accredited law school? Uh, oh, yes. How long have you been practicing? Oh, about uh, six, uh, almost 16 years. Any murder cases? Not so. Quite a few, yes. And what was the outcome? Uh, you know, win some, lose some. Everybody and welcome to Generation Lost, the show where me and I'm Bryn and that's Jeremy and we talk about movies. <laughs> I'm still not used to it. I'll never get used to it. That was the best one. Yeah. <laughs> that was definitely the best one. Just mid-sentence like, wait, yeah, what? No, fuck that, actually. Let's do a different thing. <laughs> that's right. It's the show where we watch movies and um, this week we watched, I think... I've described it before as my favorite movie ever made. Um, I don't know if it really is, but it's definitely <laughs> it's definitely far up there. Um, and I'm very excited to talk about mm-hmm. it. Um, and I hope you're excited to talk. About it. I don't know. I I feel like every time. <laughs> do you have the sensation when you like recommend something you really really like? Like I'll recommend stuff that I like, and people will you know listen to it or watch it or whatever, and they'll have their reaction to it but when i like really 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 enjoy something i mm-hmm. i have like such anxiety about like i <laughs> hope that they're not gonna hate it <laughs> i feel like i get that with some things so it depends on how much investment i have in the person mm-hmm. i think a little bit like if i they're like a really good friend or like someone I have a show with, yeah. <laughs> you know, like be like, well, I hope they like it. Cause I'm th- there's a little bit of stress of like, th- are they going to think I have shitty taste or something? Right. Um, yeah, a little bit. Um, See, I almost feel like it's not that I'm worried about what you'll think yeah. of me. It's that I'm, I'm worried that I have like, I feel like my, my own sense of self-worth so often is just like, like when you uh, spin a plate on a broomstick you know, and you're just like constantly trying to keep it balanced and you're like, oh, any old knock, just <laughs> any wind. <laughs> Start vibrating wildly out of control. Uh, uh. <laughs> and so no. anytime I show something to somebody, it's like, there is a feeling that they're just going to cut it down and I'm going to be like, oh, I guess I don't like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. No, I'm sort of the opposite. My taste is like an immovable object where people have to argue with me to the point of like breaking stuff down about why it's actually aesthetically or politically bad. And I'm like, oh, okay, I see what you're saying. And then maybe years later, I'll I'll stop liking it. Yeah, but, you'll stop secretly still enjoying yeah. it. <laughs> I have pretty, yeah, I have pretty solid taste. I'm also annoyingly confident and a, and a little aggressive mm. so i'm kind of the opposite but i do also feel 
for whatever reason, some high school shit is still there where I'm like, my taste is about who I am. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's dumb and I don't think it's real, but I, I definitely experience it. It is weird how much that sort of thing still rattles around. Like us as 30 something year old people, like <laughs> you still have that little bit of yourself that's like, but I am still like, I'm, I'm a punk. That's who I am. <laughs> yeah, I'm goth. Don't call me not goth. <laughs> I'm 32 years old. I'm still a punk. <laughs> yeah, anarchy in the UK, guys. Yeah, man. I'm still thinking about what genre of person I am. <laughs> 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 look look when when you gotta sit at a table you gotta know which table you're gonna sit on yeah well um, it's like a weird feeling because you'll um i think that the first time you notice it in your adult life is there'll be somebody who you see on the street who you either like check out in like a uh in like a romantic sexual way or there's uh-huh. somebody on the street who you will nod to in a way as if to acknowledge another you know yeah, another punk yeah. like we're the same you and i uh and there will always be a moment where they don't look at you like anything and you're like <laughs> oh <laughs> i'm not oh i guess i'm not like that yeah i guess i'm not really a punk anymore <laughs> i must devote my life to becoming more punk yeah well then yeah you reach your weird like mid uh i guess mid-20s crisis Mm. when you're like actually i'm gonna double down <laughs> <laughs> well i feel like the, i feel like also online like like the uh, the sort of twitter culture of taste has become even more heightened about stuff like that it's like mm. you like fucking harry potter you yeah. idiots <laughs> you fucking you, idiot not only does you that make fool. you not only does that make you uncool for liking harry potter but also you have bad politics yes and you're a rube and a mark that's and, the weirdest thing is that it somehow became i, I know how it became yes a liberal <laughs> thing but it's funny that it's like synonymous with liberal now and yeah. like poor jake jake has like a fucking dark mark tattooed on his arm <laughs> And now he's like a Oh you're a fascist. He's huh? like a fairly well known leftist <laughs> podcaster with a Harry Potter tattoo who just has to be like, uh yeah, actually uh Hermione sucks or whatever. Yeah, actually it's not good. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean like look, I grew up with it. I went to Harry Potter World and I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I didn't read the books until college. Um I had seen a couple of the movies, I didn't read any of the books, and I started dating a girl who really liked the books, mm. and so she was like, you gotta read the books, and mm-hmm. I was like, alright, and then I read them, like, these are kids' books. Yeah, they're for, chi- they're for they're children. They're for children. You can't enjoy them as an adult. No. <laughs> you can if you enjoyed them initially as a kid. 100%. In but the same if way you she- don't have that investment level, like, it's not a book you can read. <laughs> In the same way Star Wars is like, if you didn't watch that shit as a kid, mm-hmm. what are we doing? What are, what are we doing? talking about? <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it, like, also, like, kids like uh, the prequels. Like, mm. kids who are, like, now 20 are like, dude, the prequels rule. What are you talking about? Yeah. Like, they like Jar Jar. It's fine. And, like, I'm yeah. sure the kids who are, you know, kids now will grow up liking the sequels. And it's like, they're all for children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not, there's no, there's no real ranking of them. They're all pretty silly, bog standard adventure movies. Like, I personally like puppets. So the ones with puppets, I like more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, this isn't 
a bonus episode. Yeah, this isn't a bonus episode. This is too loose. <laughs> so what did <laughs> We're you too watch? Too loose for a regular episode. Yeah. Uh, I watched um, Beastie Boys story. What is that? That's the documentary about the Beastie Boys. Okay. Um, Tell me about it. They made a documentary about the Beastie Boys. Uh, mm-hmm. It's on the Apple TV Plus app that... If you want to watch this movie legally, you have to um, subscribe to Apple TV Plus, uh, okay. which Wait, is their does new... The Apple TV cost money? No, the Apple TV... Well, I mean, you, you buy the Apple TV, but like you don't have and, like a subscription cost or anything like that. But the Plus is the subscription the cost. The Plus is... They're trying to do a subscription <laughs> thing, because okay. everybody has a subscription thing now. It's just um, channels. And so they have that show... Um, the, their like weird newsroom show that they're doing okay um and they have like a couple other shows that nobody gives a shit about and nobody's gonna watch this is their this is their big coup right now i think okay. is the beastie boys <laughs> this movie is the flagship documentary well, series or it's something? the only thing anyone's gonna give a shit about <laughs> and like it certainly is the only thing that was gonna motivate me to consider it and i see an ad for it every day when i turn on my apple tv <laughs> And I still wasn't even remotely considering it as a possibility. Anyway, uh, Beastie Boys Story released exclusively on there. Subscribe so you can watch it and then instantly unsubscribe because I promise you there is not another thing worth a damn on there I looked. (laughs) (laughs) Or be like me and just download it for free. Or download it for free, yeah. Um, So it is a documentary um, by Spike Jones. Um, Okay. And it's weird it's a weird well, concept. It's Spike Jones. <laughs> well, but I mean, like, even weird for Spike because it's kind of weird in a not cool way, where oh. like it's kind of cringy at times because the way they're presenting it is there's like some snippets of it that are traditional documentary where it's like old footage, talking heads, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. And then it's interspersed with a live show where it's um, Ad Rock and Mike D. Um, on stage talking about something or telling a story or reading an excerpt from their book and then narrating their way into what's happening in the documentary. Okay. So, but the live show was after, after the death of, what is that? Yes. MCA, Mike? MCA, yeah. yeah. Uh, Adam Yuck. Right, right. Um, um, yeah, he died a long ass time ago. This came out this year. It was that long ago. It was like yeah, six years ago. It's been a while now. Um, I think he died in 2012. Oh, okay. Eight, yeah, years, so eight ago. years I guess that's a long um, time ago. It's been a long time, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's it's weird. It's really weird because it's like... Is it like a, is it a story of their entire, mm-hmm. like, growing up in Brooklyn or... Yeah, it's weighted very heavily uh, before License to Ill comes out. So it's a lot of like them growing up, them going to punk shows, them meeting each other. And then basically after, um, after Paul's boutique, it's just like, and then we did another good album and another good album. And then Yauk (laughs) dies. Like then they, they slow it down again for when Yauk dies. But the time between Paul's boutique and Yauk dying is like, like it's a second. It's like an episode. And you're, well, it's not even a show. It's, it's a movie. It's like a 90 minute movie or whatever. And um, it's just funny that it's like, you're like, the, but those are very good albums with like most of your most popular songs on them. <laughs> well, isn't it like, yeah, they they had all of their albums came out between License to Ill and, and Yowch Dying, right? Yeah, like, I mean, License to Ill is the first one, then Paul's Boutique, and then they have 
uh, check your check your head and Ill like communication, Ill communication. Hello, to the five bros. Yeah, yeah. So like the five bros these... is like their comeback album. Yeah, five bros is their comeback album, and then they finish recording the last one uh-huh. when Yauk died. Okay, so um, it's just like a lot of time crammed into essentially like, yeah it's like they they spent it's almost like they spent too much time on all the punk stuff and then they were like <laughs> and anyway so then we recorded the uh the you know the iconic song intergalactic and that was a big song and then uh, next thing <laughs> so yeah. that's weird and then about we it we hooked up with spike jones and we did the sabotage video and then yeah. that happened um, <laughs> But the thing that really sucked about it is the live show aspect of it is really whack, and it, it sucks because it's it's really hard for me because I I love the Beastie Boys so I'm much. I'm gathering that, and <laughs> I like wanted to love it, and I mean the little bits, great, love the little bits. What are the little <laughs> Every bits time like? Co- huh? What are they like? The little bits. Like they'll just you know show like old footage or like they'll uh-huh. um you know show an old interview with them from like an old TV show or something like that very fun but then it'll cut back to them on stage and they have this like really weird dynamic where they're trying to be comedians almost and you're <laughs> like I don't know why you're doing this man like it you know what it was missing is is um Spike on stage with them I think if it oh, was more sort of an of interview like... it would feel a little better mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of this weird like routine that they're doing is it really produced like the the live portion of it is it sort of like a very uh i mean it looks like a stand-up special it's just them on stage at like at like bam or something and there's like a crowd and they're all cheering and (laughs) like laughing at their bad jokes and stuff yeah that's (laughs) is weird that does sound strange i mean I i I'm hearing all this as someone who's never been a fan of the BC boys. Mm-hmm. Um, I never really knew their mute. So I grew up thinking that they were like, by the time I, cause I grew up in LA, right? Mm-hmm. Like I grew up with like bone thugs and Tupac right. and like that kind of like nineties, eighties rap. Um, and then by the time, I don't think I heard the BC boys until I was like 13. Mm hmm. And I was like in North Carolina <laughs> and I was like, who are these fucking white bullshitters uh-huh. who like sound like DC talk? Yeah, like, they're they... so annoying. I love them, but they like have <laughs> such annoying voices, every last one of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was like, it, it felt like it came out of nowhere. Well, first of all, they have annoying voices, but second of all, it sounds like bad rap. Mm. And the thing is, is like, now that I've gotten a little bit you know i've gone through the phase of my life where i like went back through like appreciating big daddy kane and like you know like understanding where rap came from i get that they were interesting and really great producers they were wildly influential yeah i didn't know that great every great rapper who existed in the 90s will at some point say like yeah Paul's Boutique is like such a good album because it is. It's so good. (laughs) I just didn't know. And but to this day, it's still like, even though I understand that they're very influential and and respected, I still can't hear anything but like very annoying Jewish noises. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just like, my name is Mike and I like to ride a bike or whatever. Well, yeah, (laughs) but that's the thing though is like you watched, uh, you know, the hip hop evolution. Like what's, what's crazy about them. I've been thinking about it this week since I watched the movie 
that it's kind of cool in a way that they like never stopped doing that style of hip hop. <laughs> yeah. Because all those early hip hop guys, all they talk about is like what their name is and like how many guys are in their crew. <laughs> it's all just like we're five cool guys and we're rapping to the beat. Like every <laughs> single one Brooklyn. of those songs. <laughs> <laughs> and it's cool that like even as far as like 2000 I think 6 is when the last one came out something like that. Yeah. Uh like even that far into their career they're still just like, "Well, my name is Mike D. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 40 years old." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then they all do the like the uh, the two guys in the back go, "Yeah." Mm-hmm. <laughs> like hit the last syllable of whatever the verse is or whatever. Well, and like nobody does that anymore. Like I know. having like a tandem group of guys who like do some lines together and stuff and like these big planned out routines. Mm-hmm. It's it was wild. And yeah. I could never get into it cuz I just didn't grow up like we were saying before. I didn't grow up with it. I never understood. I thought like the fight for your right to party song just felt like cuz I heard it oh, in it like Oh, it sucks. It's that's a bad song. Well, they meant it to be a bad song. Right. And I didn't know that. <laughs> but to me, the rest of their albums sound like that. So I don't get it. Well, and there's this really great sequence of the movie where mm-hmm. they're talking about the first tour after that song came out and how they had this big, stupid stage production that all was supposed to be ironic, but like rapidly becomes real as the people around them are like, but that's who you guys are. You guys are partying hard. And they're like, yeah, but like as a joke. And they're like, but you still are really drunk. And they're like, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, but they're well. talking about how this first tour, they had this stage set up where there's like go-go dancers and cages in front of them. And then at the end of the show, as they finish Fight, fight for Rights Party, there's this box in the middle of the stage that's just been a box the whole time and the giant inflatable dick comes out of it (laughs) and it's the last thing in the show and like that's their big closer and they just talk about this like miserable grueling tour where they're playing like four shows a week uh for like months and months at a time and just every night just like waiting for the dick to come out as this almost (laughs) like final like the steam whistle at a factory is this dick (laughs) that comes out of the box (laughs) Finally, the fucking dick can get hard so we can leave. We can leave. <laughs> I don't have to sing anymore. Yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, so so was the sh- movie good? I think it's still good. I think it's worth watching still. I think you'd enjoy, you should watch it just as like a primer of like, to, to help you understand who they are and like where they fit into everything. I think it's like a good totally. movie for that. I still think that they probably could have made some better choices. Um, but Is it Spike good. Jones directed? Yeah. Yeah, I'll check it out. And then I also watched half of this Bob Dylan documentary last <laughs> night, but I didn't really pay much attention to it. Um, it's the Scorsese one, right? Scorsese oh, made the it. No Direction Home. Yeah, it's fucking like five hours. Nah, fuck that. It's so long. I just like turned it on and just started playing Animal Crossing. And like, I looked <laughs> up and I was like, it's been two hours and he's still at the fucking gaslight. Yeah, no, no, thank you. Yeah. I'll watch it inside Lewin Davis. Yeah, hell, I'll I want to watch, watch uh, that again, dude. I love that movie. That movie rules. Yeah, it's so good. Um, yeah, Oscar Isaac is incredible. Um, Cohen brothers are incredible, but yeah, I don't know. I I can, I mean, I liked the all the um Kate Blanchett parts of I'm I'm not there. Mm-hmm. Did you see that movie? No, uh, but that's the one where a bunch of people play Bob Dylan, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, some parts of it are really good. Um, but but I don't like Bob Dylan at all. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, uh. <laughs> I think he. I don't think he has like he has like five good songs. <laughs> <laughs> 
everyone madness. is going to be mad at me Absolutely for this. Absolutely insane take. <laughs> <laughs> this is like worse than anything Red Scare's ever done. <laughs> You're going to get us fucking murdered. <laughs> I don't get it. I find it very annoying. And, you know, I've had... Whew, trying to think how many boyfriends have been yeah, like, how many boyfriends have tried to ha- get you into listen, Bob Dylan <laughs> just listen to Highway 61 revisit just listen to Blonde on Blonde I don't it it's all better read it doesn't and, and do he would anything. say that that's the thing about Bob Dylan is he would cop to that that all of his songs are better read than they are listened to he's a great poet I, yeah, I mean that's yeah, how he saw sure. himself I mean beautiful. that's who he thinks he is he's beautiful words sometimes. I think for most of his career he'd be like I don't know why people listen to it. <laughs> Just <laughs> get it as a little book. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay, so I'm right that <laughs> the songs are kind of dog shit. His voice is kind of annoying, and the songs aren't that interesting. There's a very funny era of Bob Dylan where, I mean, part of what's cool about him is that he kind of has that sort of, like, I'm not a good singer vibe where he just feels very free to experiment and it's like never particularly great. I feel <laughs> but mm-hmm. he does try a bunch of stuff and it's very cool. Um, but there's a funny era where he has this like deep voice that he's trying to like, pretend he has like blood on the tracks. Like um, there's a song lay lady lay that I'm thinking yeah, of yeah, yeah. where it's just like suddenly he's no longer this guy. And he's like, lay, lay, lay. And you're like, <laughs> what? <laughs> You're not that guy. What the what fuck? What are you doing? <laughs> Don't do that. No, but it's kind of I mean, funny I've... to be like mid-career and be like, I'm going to put on a voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't do that. You can't just be like, actually, I have a British accent now. But I mean, Bob Dylan did, and he, that's what makes him interesting. Like, I, have you ever heard Shot of Love? The fucking no. like Christian record where he's like, I'm a preacher now. Mm-mm. Sucks. But again, it's, it's like, it's kind of cool <laughs> that like... Like the he does that like album for Victoria's Secret and is unapologetic about it. He has like a Christmas album and he's unapologetic about it. It's kind of cool to never be like, never once in your career be like, I'm gonna make a commercially viable album. (laughs) (laughs) No, that no anybody likes. I don't know. He uh, he 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 definitely was an interesting. He's still an interesting guy. doesn't really do it for me but yeah. i definitely don't care enough about him to not watch for a five hour documentary. five hour documentary good lord no not at all i mean well, like, i promise you i'm not really watching it yeah <laughs> i'm kind of paying attention i think i've even seen some of it like you probably have it's like you know it's like been on in rooms that i've been in um and it's just kind of i don't get martin scorsese's like documentary stuff he's like fine but it's sort of just like I feel like Martin Scorsese's documentary style is just Ken Burns on Coke. Mm-hmm. Which is like still, it's like the same like pictures, but it just moves faster. <laughs> right. And it's like, like okay. honestly, Scorsese, I don't want to see you do anything that's not Italian. <laughs> Bob Dylan is not Italian. You shouldn't no, be telling Jewish. a story about Bob Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't do that. Um, you can only tell the story about the years when Bob Dylan was pretending to be Italian. Yeah. Oh my God. If you started doing like, <laughs> if you like recorded Dominic the Donkey, like that was like a, a secret uh, Bob Dylan project. <laughs> it's an Italian Bob Dylan. Um, what did you What did you watch this week? Um, so I after this movie, after the movie we watched, um, mm-hmm. 
I had a real hankering for something. I was trying to explain this earlier this week, and I guess I'm going to spoil my opinion a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But like, my cousin Vinny is a very specific type of adults movie. Yeah. Um, and I wanted something else like it, and so I was like looking for like snappily written seventies. 80s movies yeah um and so i there there's no way to like real no one has this classification in their mind it seems except for me right um because you can't find like lists of like movies that are like this right Um, yeah well i mean the good place to start would be the guy's other movie clue oh that's an incredible film clue is exactly like it too and i'm like so surprised that i didn't um yeah anyway uh, um so I, i i went i was looking through lists that uh, on Letterbox that my cousin Vinny was on, mm-hmm. um, and I came across a movie. I don't even remember what the list. I don't know what the tenuous connection was, uh-huh. <laughs> um, but this movie is not the same as my cousin Vinny. But uh, the movie is called Putney Swope. Oh yeah, that's um, Robert Downey. Robert Downey. Scene. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, have you ever seen that? No, but I'm very familiar with it because of um, it was a big. Um, uh, influence on Louis C.K.'s filmmaking. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah that that's makes a I, lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, that's how I know it was um, because from his he, uh, episode of WTF with Mark Marin. Woof. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very, I mean, it's an iconic episode of a podcast, as it were. <laughs> iconic podcast. <laughs> Truly is. I mean, it's like one of the most interesting podcast episodes I've ever heard. Wow! Now well, it's dog shit, it. and nobody should listen to it. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I don't like it, and I don't think it's good. Well, and it was interesting at the time. Ever had was bad. It was <laughs> interesting at the time because thing. he was like at the height of his fame, and Marin was like just starting to come up, and they finally did this episode together, and they talked about how they used to be friends, and then they stopped being friends. Oh and yeah, they talk about like why that happened, and it's Someone... this really interesting conversation about like why friendships break down. <laughs> someone someone like deeply explained that to me like just basically sat and talked at me for like 20 minutes about like what the whole thing was so i've definitely heard that story i don't know if i've actually listened to the episode yeah but anyway putney swope was a movie that people had i saw it on a list and i was like oh yeah lots of people have told me to watch that movie because it's interesting and weird um and i was like well, it's about like an advertising agency in this in that's like 1969, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, I'll throw this on, and it was absolutely not what I wanted, but it was, uh, pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, it's it, it it's shot like it's shot like it was made today. Okay. Like it's black and white film, but it like is all handheld. Hmm. It's it's a really weird look. Like sometimes they'll just be shots that are in fisheye lens, right? Uh, and they'll just like so the opening shot is like this old man wearing like a like a punk a Nazi punk like battle vest. You know what I mean? Right. Like a jean jacket with like Nazi patches yeah, all yeah. over it, and he like walks into a boardroom and just starts talking <laughs> um, about how beer is uh, doo doo pee pee dicky. Okay. <laughs> um it's insane this movie Uh is fucking nuts and they just start saying like so what happens is is um this guy there's one black guy on the board of this advertising firm on madison avenue and he's like the music director 
um, and the main the 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 president of the company dies, and then they all sort of like vote. They have to vote on who's the next person, and because they all hate each other, they all like kind of vote for Putney Swope, the black guy, because they think no one else will. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and then he's the president, so he fires all of them, and then just sort of like takes over the company and starts doing crazy stuff, and um, hires all black people, and like slowly becomes like a militant like black power guy, um, <laughs> and then. <laughs> He becomes a Milton Black Power guy, and then he treats all of the white people who are his like uh, uh-huh. his clients like shit. And he's like, "You have to take the freight elevator." And uh, his his like associate just has a gun and is like putting a gun in people's face all the time. Uh, and he demands like a million dollars for from every client. Um, <laughs> but he's like wildly successful. Uh-huh. And everyone wants his his product. Yeah. But sort of the... Uh, he's like, I'm against... I will never advertise for cigarette companies or uh, toy gun companies or something else, alcohol, or some like thing he has like moral stances against. Okay. And then... Uh, so he's just like, I'm not doing that. But as they get more money, there's like more and more pressure like from like national security and the president to like do what they want him to do. Right. And so starts being like this thing where like politics get involved and like the president is like, who is like played by a, some kind of circus child, like a, like a, like a little person. Like a, well, yeah. I mean, they call him that in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not trying to be mean, but like he, he, they call him like a circus freak. Um, Okay. But he's like a little guy who looks like a child. Um, Okay. Like, um, like Joe C from Kid Rock? Yeah, 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 like that. Okay. Um, and so so Putney Swope starts feeling more and more pressure and like people on his board like keep pressuring him to do stuff that he thinks is uh like copping out. Um so he starts dressing like Castro <laughs> and like uh it gets really strange. What is the, the perspective end- of this movie? <laughs> like what are they trying to say with it? I'm not really sure, but at the end of the movie he basically um, he says that he's that they're gonna do like a cigarette and a toy gun ad. Mm-hmm. Um, and he tells his board that they all have to get started. And like three people are like, "Fuck you! Like you're copping out! Like fuck you! Like you're you're you've you've changed and you've become what they were doing at the in the first place." And uh, then everyone else is like, "We're with you, Putney Swope. Don't worry, we got your back." And then he walks out of the room and is like. All those people uh, are fire. <laughs> it was like a test. And uh, the three people who walked out, like, he splits the money among every person who works in the company and then uh, and then just, like, blows it up. And that's the end of the movie. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> it's very strange. What a weird-ass... Um, what? It's a very weird movie, and I don't know if I'd, like... And that guy's son is the earningest actor in Hollywood. And uh, yeah, by playing techno feudal Elon Musk, basically. <laughs> Insane. Um, yeah, it's definitely very sixty, like late sixties feeling, where it's like it feels like they want to be like 
power to the workers, but like probably felt like they would get thrown in prison if they went too far. Mm-hmm. Um, so it almost feels like a send up of some like black power, like ideas and like, it's all very surface. I mean, the, the, basically the, the main idea of the movie is like, if black people just took over a capitalist company, they would still have massive amounts of pressure to do what the white capitalists were doing. That feels like the message. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't really commit to like having a solution to that. <laughs> yeah, and it's also like um, Robert Downey Sr. And so you're like, who the fuck do you think you are to like, yeah. <laughs> say that? <laughs> like, yeah. Why do you think that's your story to be telling? <laughs> Not only that, he also, uh, the main character, Putney Swope, couldn't remember his lines. So he is dubbed over by Robert Downey Sr. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is he doing like an offensive voice? I mean, he's doing a voice that sounds like he's a Mr. T. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> he's like, ah, ah, I can't really do it. But <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, so I don't know. It's a weird fucking movie. But I mean, if you're looking for a movie that is shot incredibly, it's really weird looking and mm-hmm. it's all, it's almost all black and white. And then it'll be like, anytime there's a commercial, it's like vivid color. Okay. And I was like, the first time it happened, I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> I didn't know we were doing color. Um, yeah. but there are color scenes and, um, it's very wild. It's very silly. It kind of feels like, um, have you ever seen WR? No. Mysteries of the organism. It's like a weird, mockumentary documentary about Wilhelm Reich. It has this uh, sort of feeling of like Mr. Freedom, these weird like 70s sex romps um okay. that are sort of like clearly influenced like everyone on the team was in was was on acid. Um so they just feel insane. And it doesn't really have a story or characters per se. Everyone's sort of like a caricature and like this big like obvious metaphor. Right. Um, so if that's your thing, check it out. Hey, it's if you really like weird. obvious metaphor, <laughs> I mean, it's like a it's sixty nine. I don't. It definitely feels like it too. All right. Um, should we get into the? Let's get into the movie. Let's get into the fucking movie. All right, let's go. Uh, this week we watched the nineteen ninety two American comedy film My Cousin <laughs> Vinny, uh, directed by Jonathan Lynn, written by Dale Launer. Mm-hmm. Academy Award winning film, My yes. Cousin Vinny. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, which we will uh probably get to a little later. But uh quick plot recap. Um My Cousin Vinny tells the story of uh Bill Gambini and Stan Rothenstein, two college students from New York who are on a road trip uh through the South. They're in Alabama, they go to a convenience store um to One get of these some people is snacks Ralph- or whatever. Ralph One of them Macchio. is Ralph Macchio, yes. Uh, As so, you've said, the most Italian man of all time. <laughs> yeah, he might actually be our first uh, repeat actor on the show. Oh. Hmm. I don't have the uh, wherewithal to, to know if that's true. Yeah, tweet at us if that's wrong. <laughs> yeah, let us know. Um, but anyway, so the two of them are, are on a road trip through the South. They are in Alabama. They stop at a convenience store to get some snacks. And uh, they uh, leave. They accidentally steal a can of tuna. Um and they get pulled over by police thinking that they are being pulled over for stealing a can of tuna. They go with them and cooperate mm-hmm. and they go to the police station where they find out that they're not being prosecuted for stealing a can of tuna. They are being prosecuted for murder because 
after they left the convenience store, at some point somebody came and murdered the clerk in a robbery. Shot gone him awry. in the face. And um, uh, so they're fucked. They're in trouble. Um, oddly mm-hmm. enough, this is the movie that we had scheduled months ago. Um, and just so happens to be the week after uh, we talked about my friend who this very similar thing uh, happened to yeah. um, on the bonus episode. But um, so they're they're now arrested, awaiting trial. Uh, they have no money. They have no resources uh, to get lawyers. Um, when Ralph Macchio's character uh, suddenly remembers, there's a lawyer in my family. My cousin Vinny. Name of movie. Is that the song? What's the song? No, I don't know. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, and then what happens? Vinny shows up in town, and Vinny is extremely Italian, and it has Vinny's an extremely girlfriend. Italian girlfriend, yeah. uh, played by Marissa Tomei. And uh, most of the rest of the movie is either um, hijinks uh, mm. centered around uh, uh, Vinny and um, what is the girlfriend's name? Uh, the, she was, hang on. Oh, uh, Mona uh, Lisa. Mona Lisa, yeah. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> yeah, so Vinny and a Mona totally Lisa. Totally normal name. Uh, part of it is um, it is hijinks of them just kind of like interacting with uh, Southern society. And then the rest of it is courtroom scenes in which Vinny, at the beginning, uh, sucks at being a lawyer. He's never really been a lawyer before he just finished school, and he sucks at it. And slowly picking up the pace and figuring out how to be a lawyer and eventually winning the case, setting his cousin free. Um, and that's really it. That's the movie for the most part. Yeah, there's like a lot of like little subplots, uh, like Vinny, yeah, I mean, can't, the big... Vinny can't get a night's rest because there's always something noisy <laughs> in the morning. Um, yeah, he, can, he he falls in the mud and ruins a suit. Tons yeah, of he has hijinks. to get a suit and he can't get a suit. Uh, Mona Lisa plays bad. pool with somebody and wins the pool game, but the guy doesn't pay up. Uh, there's He's a lot of like little bad tiny at being subplots. A lawyer. Yeah, the ma- the main conflict is that he has never served. He's never even practiced law before he's uh-huh. never had a court he's case. done a little bit of like personal injury stuff that never went to trial right he's so you know um a, what do you call that Ar- arbitration probably yeah. you know um, something like uh, he's that he's settled out of court kind of stuff mm-hmm. so he's never had he's never been a trial lawyer and that's the main thing is that he has no idea what he's doing and then the judge is this big stickler who hates him just because he wears a leather jacket um and he's a big stickler for rules and you know the etiquette of the trial of the courtroom and um so it's just him basically trying not to let these kids die for no reason yeah um because of the mechanizations of the system um and everyone taking it very very seriously and not listening to reason um and then he, through the miracle of um, being, being incredible, <laughs> through the miracle of Italianness, and also his girlfriend being very intelligent, way more intelligent than him, uh-huh. um, and having incredible uh, reading, like, yeah, encyclopedic re- re- knowledge yeah. of cars and ability to read stuff and retain it. Yeah, uh, they 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 save the day, and that's the end of the movie. Yeah. So you had never seen this movie before. This is one of my favorite movies, if not my favorite movie. That's right. What did you think of the movie? So I loved the movie. Hell yes. I thought it was great. Hell yes. 
Get in, lads. <laughs> We're going to the moon. Um, no, I thought it was a fantastic movie. I I thought uh, what I was trying to say without really spoiling too much of my opinion about Punny Swope was that I was looking for a movie that sort of exists in this very weird, like it has all of the production value of a nowadays blockbuster movie. Mm-hmm all into writing yeah. and acting just like telling a simple story with a very specific point of view this is the thing about this movie is that it's not only like the fugitive for example i, I think fits into the kind of movie i'm talking about mm-hmm. not because the thing about it is like it's not a genre of movie like it can be a thriller it can be a comedy it can be a dramedy it can be anything but the idea of like the kind of movies that William Goldman writes where it's like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Mm-hmm. It's just like really strong characters with like big scenes, non-submersible units that are just all in the service of having a good time and then getting you through and then dropping you off with a perspective about something. Yes. Like there's it, the movie comes from a point of view. It wants to tell you something and then it tells it to you. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of the movie. And there's um, nothing left on the bone at the end. No, it's all. That's what's they, really they cool about my cousin every... Vinny. That's what's cool about uh, this director. We talked about this uh, off mic, but made some other really good movies, specifically oh, yeah, Clue, um, 1985 Clue. I'm sorry, John Lind. Um, yeah, Jonathan Lynn. Um, but also, um, I, and I mean, this is a weird one because it it's kind of a meme now, but The Whole Nine Yards is a very good movie. <laughs> Which one is The Whole Nine Yards? Is, it's uh, Bruce oh, with, Willis. Yeah, Bruce Willis. And also Sergeant Bilko, a wildly underrated comedy movie, I believe. That's right. Um, it's very funny. Um, and, a, and a good movie. A movie that I quote constantly all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I always say like, uh, it's that time of the, it's that time of the decade again. Time for you to take a shower. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, I did Clue, he did Sergeant Bilko. He's done some really cute movies. Yeah. And he but Clue very specifically, to... I think, is the most like this in the fact that in the sense that like, yes, very strong characters, but the, but specifically there's nothing left on it at the end. There's yeah, no part of you that watches Clue at the end being like, Oh, I wish there was more. Or, you know, I wish they'd done this or this or this. It's like there's That's it. nothing left. <laughs> That's the thing about it is that there's no, there's no stone left unturned with the characters. It's mm-hmm. like you've you you get who they are, you get what they went through. That's all you need, and you feel satisfied. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think this movie does it really well. I think um, all the president's men is another really good example of yeah. this kind of movie uh-huh. to me, where it's just like you you know what the stakes are. You've got these two very, you know, night good characters to watch. They're really three dimensionally written, and then you go through it and you do the thing with them, and then it's done, and then the movie ends. Like there's hardly even any denouement in any of these movies where it's just like you did it. Five seconds of like sigh and then credits. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, this one even like at the end has they're almost like running to finish the the movie because they're literally like there's a couple of things that are left unfinished in terms of like uh there's a thing where like Vinny has to lie to be allowed to practice law uh in alabama because he's from new york he has to lie um and and if he gets caught on that it could 
you know, turn over the trial. It could result in him like going to real ass jail, not just like yeah. held in contempt jail. There's a lot of things that could go wrong if people found out that he lied about how long he'd been practicing law and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so literally at the end of the movie, after he saves his cousin, he, him and, and Mona Lisa are just running to the car to get out of <laughs> Alabama. <laughs> yeah. And, and the judge is like, the judge is like, hey, you, you know, you're a great lawyer and, you know, thanks for actually doing your job. And like, he's like, OK, yeah, if I stay here any longer, I'm going to be here for a very long time. <laughs> and then they just like go. But it's funny in that, that perspective Everything- of like of finishing the movie and then ending the movie, you know, and, and like yeah. them just being like, no, we're not trying to stay any longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then like literally they're having a conversation as they drive away as the credits ha- happen because yeah. there's a whole running thing about you know, they'd get married after he won his first case and it's been years or whatever. So, Um, yeah, I thought it, I thought it was, I mean, it's all very tight and the, um, the thing is like, it's scripty in a way that I think is really good. mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you can see the script, but it's very powerful. It's a very like beefy script. Yeah. And and it's tight and there's not yeah. much fat on it there's not there's a couple of like lines and scenes here and there that you could drop but there's not sure, much but, every, but all the little characters are really well cast mm-hmm. everyone you know all the like sort of backwoods people are very um believably cast and like believably played they're not like played for jokes like everyone sort of starts as a stereotype and then like because of the writing and acting yeah. and direction like everyone's fleshed out enough to where you feel like oh that that could really happen but it was funny at first you know what i mean right uh, and i think that comes from what we found out while watching this i mean i'd never done any research on this movie the director of this movie has a law degree from cambridge <laughs> yeah very interesting um, and so the movie apparently is taught in like law school because it's incredibly accurate to yeah. how trial law works it's and like apparently it's a very good like 101 level like there's like a day where you don't have any curriculum shit to do just throw on my cousin Vinny, and it's like a decent like movie to watch and then chat about and be like this is actually what it's like when you uh have to um you know if you want to pull in like a last minute uh expert witness this is what you do you know when you're right. cross-examining somebody like this is a good way to lead them down uh you know a logical path or whatever you know mm-hmm. and one of the quotes was basically like uh Vinny, the character is very bad at everything we teach at law school but very good at everything we don't teach mm. which means like he his expertise is in winning arguments and understanding what helps him and what doesn't and all these sort of like more abstract logical things about argument yeah and uh so it's really well written in that he is able to sort of understand what he needs to disprove and then give you enough information give the jury and the audience (laughs) you know enough information to disprove that and then get out of there before he like ruins his case yeah um and, and there's so, and and in terms of scripting, there's like very good establishing stuff early on, where you know because like uh, Ralph Macchio says, you know, like you got to see him, you got to see how good he is at arguing. Like you don't understand, like yeah. these people are so <laughs> Italian; they're just bred this way. They argue so much, and you're yeah. like, wow, like I'd, I'd love to see it. And I'm glad that they do it between him and Marissa Tomei first. By the way, this is mm-hmm. Joe Pesci. I don't know if we've mentioned that. Uh, right. But between Joe Pesci and Marissa Tomei first, 
where you can see why he's good at arguing is because that's who he argues against, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they she's have this great scene too. where they just like kind of build this. They're talking about the leaky faucet, right? And they're building on top of one another's like attempt to close the logical loop, you know, like he's saying, mm-hmm. you know, if it, if you turned the thing all the way, then it wouldn't be leaking. And she's like, well, but it's leaking. So clearly the thing is broken. <laughs> and he's like, but how could you be sure? Well, I, and, and they're like doing this whole thing and they build it and build it and build it. And you're like, man, when he talks to somebody who's not that Italian, it is going to be lights <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah. Who's not dressed like a a goth clown <laughs> uh, like they both are i mean they're they're the wardrobes are really fun too because it's like yeah. they're they're dressed like the fans like the most fashionable people of 1992 in manhattan uh-huh. like boy and i mean it's funny there's a certain level of like i if anybody has knows me in real life, I could dress a little bit weird at, at a certain point. So I was like, oh, if I went to Alabama, that's how I would look now. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and I've been in those situations. So that felt very realistic, too, where like people weren't like because of a lesser movie, I think, would have done this by like the door opening and like every head turning and like everyone just like mocking them immediately or like right. everyone commenting on it but it feels so natural the way the characters are sort of just like kind of eyeing them up and down be like hey <laughs> what do you want to eat what's your little story huh <laughs> do you want breakfast <laughs> they're just like kind of awkward and then they're like what are grits you know yeah. like um, lots of little little pieces of character that are just thrown in but you're right about setting everything up because like literally the first thing that happens is that they like had a problem with a car and like a random guy is like do you need help and like joe pesci's like she's an expert on cars she knows everything and yeah he's like oh, really <laughs> a wee bit on the nose but it yeah that i feel well, like they could have sussed out a little better but maybe but like it's also so early on you don't even know like true yeah having not seen the movie not knowing how the movie was going to pay off it was a throwaway line that i completely forgot about Mm -hmm. by the end of the movie i was like oh is she an expert on cars oh yeah i guess she knows something i don't what does she know you know what i mean like uh it is a little on the nose i guess if you know what's going to happen but i it kind of flew under the radar for me yeah it's i guess it's nice to just like give it a very like pronounced noticeable line that you know, because the line is literally like, she knows everything about cars. And the guy's yeah. like, really? And he's like, yeah, ask her anything. And, and But he doesn't. And, and he just kind of like walks away and kind of like giggles it off because he's just like, this woman, how could she possibly? Yeah, this, yeah, this goth peacock of a lady. <laughs> yeah. And so maybe um, if it was a scene where, I mean, maybe it would be too pronounced if, if the scene was, you know, you've got, uh, You've got your your tires are are uh, flat, and she's like, no, they're just misaligned, and then it turns out that that's what it is. Maybe right. that would have been you, too noticeable, and then you'd be remembering that the whole time. It would just be like, well, when is that going to pay off? But like the way it, it is in the beginning, it just feels like, wait, what? Oh, okay, whatever. She knows about cars, mm-hmm. I, and it feels to me that way. The way that they do it, it feels like it's almost more about pronouncing the cultural differences of like how Joe Pesci respects her as a person mm-hmm. and in sort of the more like traditional, like women don't do this in the South. Right. 
and like they're from New York and they're in the South and it just sort of feels more about that than anything. Yeah. And then when you're like, oh, it's going to become necessary for her to know about cars. Like, I didn't even know that was going to be, I didn't even know they were setting that up. Right. Um, but yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, So one thing I wanted to talk, we should definitely talk about it, is where the perspective is coming from. Yeah. And the, where the perspective is coming from is that this is a movie about being anti-capital punishment. Mm-hmm. And... I think accidentally a little bit because I ha- I didn't see any John Lynn uh, interviews about this specifically, but kind of uh, like prison reform in general. Yeah. Um, because the movie is about these two kids who, you know, as the audience did not kill a person. Yeah. They you know, from acc- the very beginning, because you see yeah. them, you just see them leave and you're with them from the moment they leave the store to the moment they get pulled over. You're with them. Right. It's sort of the same. If you did you watch the night of? Mm-hmm. It's sort of the same thing except the movie is telling you that they that nothing happened. Like right. he didn't kill the girl. Like they think that they stole a can of tuna on accident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they're like all this for a can of tuna. I'm sorry, it was an accident, you know, like uh and so the movie knows that that didn't happen and you're never you, there's never a moment where you're like wait did they like it's not interested in like making you feel that way yeah well, the point of the movie is saying two innocent people based on a real misunderstanding that happens all the time could be sentenced to death for this yeah and, and there's and this that's how the system works yeah and and the system is is portrayed as this sort of like vast like mechanical thing that is just set up to destroy the lives of people who are put through <laughs> it. And what's so interesting is that it's like a real, it doesn't get enough. Like I, I was trying to see if anybody had written any like essays about this or if there had been any sort of like YouTuber things about like the brilliance of, because of it, like nobody really talks about this movie and it's really a shame because there is like a really clever subversion that I only noticed this time around that like, you know, the vast mechanical, horror show of the justice system is a small town in Alabama, you know, and these guys are from like, you know, the biggest city in the world. Like Mm -hmm. it's this weird turning on its head of like, you know, even this tiny, tiny little place where they only have one room to interrogate people in, you know, it it still is capable of ruining lives (laughs) and, and literally killing people, you know? Yeah, and and I think uh, I think Lynn talks about in a uh, in an interview that he specifically made no one evil. Mm-hmm. Like the other lawyer, the like the guy who's the sort of the lawyer for the state is like real friendly to Vinny. Like he's yeah. like takes him hunting and sort of like he's like, hey man, like I know it's hard, you know, it's a little different down here, you know, but we're just trying to get to the truth. Like we all just want to, you know. That, like that guy wants to have justice done and the judge is a stickler for the rules but he's in he's sort of the the antagonist to 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 Vinny but he's never pers- um he's never shown as a guy who wants to kill kids right Do you know what I mean he's not like let's fry these motherfucking Italians up you know like yeah <laughs> like that's not the point of the movie the point is is that that's the rules of the land and no one has any benefit of doing that but it's just like 
if it wasn't for this, you know, this 50 year old nerd (laughs) who, who just happens to, has a girlfriend that knows really good about a lot about cars. They might've just killed these kids for no reason. Mm -hmm. And the movie never, I think if I have a critique of the, that movie that, excuse me, I think if I have a critique of the movie, it's that it doesn't really let you feel the weight of that. Because mm-hmm. I think he was trying to say do something that wasn't preachy, and and I think that's fine. Yeah. And the only time you see any like protesters is like right outside of the jail, and it's sort of in the background. And it's not protesters for them; it's protesters no. for a guy who's getting executed at their jail. Something totally different that you never see. Yeah, um, which is smart, but it I don't think the weight of them possibly losing their lives for literally nothing ever really feels like you're dreading it as the viewer yeah um it's definitely i I think that's where you would have been able to have picked that up too is is in the that subplot of the guy who's getting executed at their jail mm -hmm. maybe that would have helped a little bit um yeah you're right it doesn't like the weight of what could possibly happen to them isn't fantastic um Mm -mm. and they're sort of like, especially because the uh, not Ralph Macchio, but the other guy, his acting is so like, <laughs> it's so like almost kids movie. He's like, oh man, yeah. you know, like we're gonna we're gonna fry, buddy. Like, <laughs> yeah, the like, two of them are. I mean, Ralph Macchio is not amazing either in this. There's a couple <laughs> scenes where he really hams it up. Like, there's the scene mm-hmm. where um, he's being interrogated, and you know, he's like, and and then I stole the tuna can, and then I left, and he's like. And then when did you shoot the clerk? And he's like, I shot the clerk. I shot the clerk? I shot the clerk. And he like says it over and over again. And the guy's like, I got to get out of here. And he leaves. And he's like, whoa, wait a minute. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> that scene sucks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's some stuff in it that is very 90s feeling. But like, I, I, I forgive it. for Especially as the movie starts to get going once Pesci and uh, Marissa Tomei show up. Yeah. It like, you really start. Cause she's incredible. She's incredible. I mean, like, so there's, they're both really good, but there's the last thing really to talk about, about. Yeah. Is Marissa Tomei one, uh, best actress for this best supporting actress. Is she best supporting actress? Is that what it mm-hmm. is? Um, yeah, that makes a little more sense, I guess, but not really. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's so cool and I love it so it much is. because it's, uh, it's, it genuinely is an incredible performance and mm -hmm. it's so spotless. Like there's, she doesn't have a, whoa, wait a minute moment. She doesn't Mm -hmm. have like the, uh, Joe Pesci has this scene where he punches this guy and it looks like a fucking cartoon cat. That part is so funny. He just like springs (laughs) off of the ground (laughs) in this weird way. (laughs) I love that scene. There's Um, just like weird stuff like that, but she is just like, she doesn't take a step wrong in the entire movie. Every single mm-hmm. moment of her is like perfect. <laughs> well, I, the, and the thing about it is, is like so often Academy Award performances are sort of like baiting mm-hmm. where it's like trying to, uh, you know, it's so often being like, I don't know. I'm playing a mentally disabled person or I'm playing someone who's like so wildly different from me, like the actual actor that, you know, you have to recognize that I'm doing all it's, it's so you can see all of the fingerprints in the sculpture. And if you get the opposite of it, 
it's only when somebody has a long career that they've done. Right, right. And that they're clearly being given a lifetime achievement. Yeah, or like it's like Mickey Rourke where it's like, you know, it's like, wow, like look at he finally, you know, after all these years, he like finally dug deep and did like the the, the wrestler, wrestler thing or whatever. Right. Which he's fine in, but like so this movie she I th- the undeniable thing about her performance in this movie is that she feels like a real person like dropped into a movie where actors are in Mm -hmm. like she just feels like so specific of a person that there's really no way she could be acting like i don't know she just she almost feels like a different kind of cartoon put into a cartoon in a way because (laughs) she's one of those people who is a real life person who is a cartoon but she's put into a cartoon of cartoons she's Mm -hmm. like so wacky and great like she's a, <laughs> the type of person that you would like chew your arm off to get away from probably because she's so like loud and and just like bears down on you but she's so funny <laughs> <laughs> she's funny and 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 but also like has a warmth to her and you know why they like like each other and yeah. like their relationship even though the probably one of my biggest problems with the movie is that she's impossibly attractive. Yes. And Joe and Pesci is 50 years old and Joe <laughs> Pesci. He's 50 in this movie. She looks like a, like a 21 year old and not even like a random 21 year old Williamsburg person. Like she's like stunning. I mean, she's Marissa impossible. fucking Tomei. She's she fucking is. Mar- yeah, exactly. Like, it's unbelievable. <laughs> It is and, a little bit immersion breaking, but at the same time, it's in the tradition so of it. <laughs> um, it's it's in the tradition of like classic sitcoms of just like you know fat ugly dude with impossibly hot wife, right? You kind of get it, and I, I mean like he's not nice enough to her where it really makes sense, but like her performance is so good that it's like whatever. I guess she's that's her boyfriend. Yeah, you just believe <laughs> um, it. <laughs> <laughs> just believe it for some reason. But yeah, she's incredible. And Patchy is really good too. He I is, mean, he's like, very good. Um but she won um so she won Best Supporting Actress for this, and it was this like big um uh controversy essentially where people really? yeah, people believed that the guy who read it was senile and like read it <laughs> oh. wrong or something like that. There was some whole thing where people were like, he didn't actually open the envelope, it wasn't supposed to be her because she's a you know it's a comedy role comedy never mm-hmm. wins they barely even get nominated and especially not then. like some like you know garbage brooklyn person <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know it uh she earned it a, she fucking earned it man the other people who were uh nominated i got it pulled up we had judy davis for husbands and wives okay joan plowright for enchanted april <laughs> Vanessa Redgrave for Howard's End and mm, Miranda Richardson for Damage. Okay. I don't no one remembers any of those. Never movies heard of a single Howard's one of those End. movies. The only <laughs> one of those people End? I know is Judy Davis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah. No, she's great and she deserves it entirely. And the thing is is like people forget that like one of the reasons the Oscars are the way they are is because they're democratic ish. Like most of the, most of the movies that get nominated 
are paid for. Mm-hmm. You have to pay to have your mo- movie nominated. Um, but once the nomination process works, like it's just a popularity contest, you know? So it's like popular. What's the most popular out of these like things that were bought and paid for. <laughs> right. So it's like, you know, if they had enough money to sort of get her nominated, uh, of course you're going to vote for her because yeah. it's the most fun. If like, anything, like uh, the guy being senile and reading it wrong would be the most like genuine version of this that could exist in, in its current form. Like at least <laughs> that was like the result of somebody's like brain. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody having some like human interaction with something. <laughs> Even if they were fucking wrong. Um, But yeah. Uh, But she deserves it. And the movie is all the better for her performance. Yeah. Um, Absolutely fantastic stuff. And it's a shame she isn't in more shit. She's always really good. She is. She's fantastic. And she's like been nominated for three Academy Awards in like the few things she's been in. Yeah. She's she's always great. Wildly talented person. So it's, it's a rare movie that is just a fun. You can't really like shit on it for really anything because its politics are so good like yeah. it like most of the time the movies that i was trying to talk about where it's like just pure fun drama comedy writing like you can usually knock it for something whether it's the sort of filmmaking or the acting or um the politics like for example i love the movie the fugitive and i show it to people who haven't seen it because Mm -hmm. it's just so tight everything is so suspenseful everything is so perfect in that movie but like and even that movie has like decent politics but like the cops are all shown as like just decent people who are just trying to find the guy and right (laughs) you know what i mean uh whatever like but this movie has such an it has such a specific point that it's like the death penalty is brute like barbaric and shouldn't exist yeah That's it's the point it's, of the it's movie. an unfair advantage that prosecutors have over defense like it's it mm-hmm. the the very idea that you can hold i will kill you as one of your <laughs> chips is ridiculous <laughs> like of course people are gonna like take the plea bargain for fucking life in prison when the other option is or we just kill you. <laughs> yeah. Murder you in cold blood today. How about I'll just shoot you in the head? How about now? Yeah. <laughs> and it's absurd. And I'm like, I am personally a prison abolitionist. And to watch a movie that feels like it's on my side mm-hmm. um, and it, it doesn't glorify police. And it, it kind of makes some of the police look bumbling and sort of like they're just out to get a perp. Because that's how yeah. it works. It's like the reason that people are hate cops is because they're not interested in justice they're interested in doing their job which is bad right <laughs> uh, it's, you know it's I mean? laziness it's it's a laziness that leads to injustice a lot of the time where exactly in in the instance of this movie it's like he could hear ralph macchio's tone of voice when he says i shot the clerk right and, and he knows that's what he's saying but then he reads it off later off the card as i shot the clerk i shot the clerk i shot the clerk right <laughs> and then the moment, uh, you know, Vinny has some new evidence thing where he's like, I, I need you to go look this up. And he's like, sure, of course. And then he's suddenly yeah. out of nowhere. He's like, actually, uh, you know, I on a hunch, I did this, this, and this. And 
like he he doesn't actually like as long as he's not the one who has to do the legwork to find the actual murderer, <laughs> mm-hmm. he's happy to do it. <laughs> yeah, but he even puts like he's the only one who like even puts up a resistance. He's like, "Tell me why, though." Right. You know, he like that the cop is like, "Well, I don't know if I should even help you because it's like the cops have this understanding that like they're." they're the good ones and the victims or the perpetrators everyone else is kind of against them right you know it's like cops and robbers mm-hmm. you know what i mean <laughs> like the citizenry uh is like their antagonist so i i don't know i thought it, i thought they did a really good job not trying to make anyone look evil but like accurately describing the banality of that evil yes um and then making a very fun comedy that's it's, it's very it's, funny that's it's very the, funny that's but the it's thing also to like, take away from this i think is is it is so funny <laughs> it's funny but it's also like not i almost feel like these movies aren't comedies like mm-hmm. the purpose isn't to make you laugh like i when i think of like a comedy i think of like beavis and butthead or you know team america or something where right. it's like literally the only thing to do is make you laugh but this movie is like it has a lot of laughs and the point is to tell you the story and they tell you a nice story with emotion that is funny and a little bit suspenseful and then they get you through and it's just chef kissy really liked it <laughs> hell yeah big recommend big recommend from both of us and uh that's it. That's the show. That's gonna do it. Watch fucking my cousin Vinny. It's really watch my cousin good. Vinny. I, watch Clue. I don't know why. And yeah, definitely uh, watch Clue. I mean, that... and watch fucking uh, <laughs> watch Sergeant Bilko. <laughs> Have you ever seen uh, Trial and Error, the Kramer movie? I don't think so. No. It's another law, uh, like a trial movie mm-hmm. that has a uh, Michael Richards in it. Um, right after Seinfeld, and I've never seen it, but uh, I just from watching this movie i saw that he directed it It made me want to watch it because uh, i remember really wanting to see it as a kid when it came out right because i was a huge seinfeld fan and i was like oh michael richards but it was rated r and it wasn't allowed but uh yeah maybe i'll throw that i should have just watched that instead of putney smoke (laughs) dude i want to watch nuns on the run now (laughs) what's that about uh it's probably what it sounds like uh 1990 Mm -hmm. british comedy film starring eric idol and robbie coltrane um the film is yeah um eric idol from monty python yeah it looks like they're nuns and they're on the run they they're oh it looks like probably two criminals who dress up as nuns to evade oh, the law okay it's like um something like hot but with nuns okay. <laughs> um, oh yeah you're right <laughs> probably more than more like some like it hot than silver bullet anyway but what are the odds uh, yeah, man like- that like these three movies that I love so dear, like three of my favorite comedy movies of all time that are like majorly influential on my own comedy are all you the same John director. Lynn, and I didn't man. even realize. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's guys like that who just like make incredible films and no one cares. Mm-hmm. Like, have you ever seen uh do you like, how did you ever get into Hal Ashby? Like as a director? I don't know. See, he made, he made Harold and Maude. Okay which most people like. Then he also did Being There mm-hmm. with Peter Sellers, which is a fucking incredible film. And then he also did Shampoo with Warren Beatty, which was also really good. He just did like all of these good movies that yeah. like 
sort of got really popular in certain like cult cliques, but yeah. like no one is like I'm a Hal Ashby fan. Right. You know I mean? <laughs> well, and my cousin Vinny and 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 Harold and Maude and and Clue, all these movies are movies that you you remember loving, but you don't think of as being directed necessarily. Right. I feel like I don't think of them like, as having a like you think of the ensemble so much, you know. Yeah. The um, the sort of the the orchestra of all of the things that they got put together but like the visual style isn't the point and so the director sort of fa- falls in the background I think. right because hmm. like no one is like wow the direction of clue you yeah. know what i mean it's all about it's all sort of flat and like he lets the performances happen same with my cousin Vinny. Yeah. like there's no shot in this movie actually there's so many dutch angles in this movie there's a lot of dutch angles yeah <laughs> um but besides that there's no real like visual flair to it there's it's like one or like, two handheld scenes that are like weirdly stuck in there um, yeah so same with john mctiernan who did a uh, Die Hard and Predator? Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like one of the most incredible action, like some of the most incredible action films of all time. But no one cares who John McTiernan is. Yeah. Wow. So well, anyways, you know, give credit where it's due. Yeah, look up, <laughs> look up who fucking made the movies you watch. Yeah, <laughs> that's the lesson here. And, and watch Sergeant w- Bilko. It deserves better <laughs> than it got. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to rewatch that too. I'm going to rewatch it for sure. I think that's a good example of if you want another movie that might be as good as a movie you already love, check out who directed it. Maybe watch one of those movies because you probably didn't know. (laughs) We have a show about movies and we didn't even know. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So. Yeah. Well, anyway, thanks for joining us, everybody. Um, It's been another week. Yep. Thanks for listening to Generation Lost. This has been Brendan Jeremy Thunder. You can follow us on Twitter at Gen Lost Pod. <laughs> you can follow me at Kinematography, uh, Jeremy at Jeremy Thunder. Uh, and check out our Patreon. We've been uh, doing some bonus episodes that are fun. Yeah. And, uh, you know, give those a shot. Yeah, this week um, we're going to be. Patreon.com uh, slash Generation Lost. This week we're going to be talking about the Demolition Man sequel. Ooh, so many weird things happened this week with movies. So many different conversations we're about to have. Yeah. Uh, I'm very excited to have them. So hope you listen to them. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye. Whoa, you're going to shoot a deer? I don't know. I suppose. I mean, I'm a man's man. I could go deer hunting. A sweet, innocent, harmless, leafy, doe-eyed little deer. At least, I'm not going to go out there just to wimp out, you know? I mean, the guy will lose respect for me. Would you rather have that? What about these pants I got on? You think they're okay? Oh! Imagine you're with you. You're prancing along. You get thirsty. You spot a little brook. You put your little deer lips down to the cool, clear water. Bullet rips off part of your head. Your brains are laying on the ground in little bloody pieces. Now I ask you, would you give a fuck what kind of pants the son of a bitch who shot you was wearing? <laughs> <laughs>